0: The edge of Points Bet has is that we're a sports betting business that's been founded by sports bettors. And so we understand the psyche of a customer. When I look at the sea of sameness that currently exists in sports betting, it's about standing out. I have a true understanding and appreciation for every department of the business. And it really allows me as a leader to hire great people in each area and to make sure the business is entirely connected. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at Workinsports.com, Brian Clapp.
1: Sometimes it can be helpful to look back through sports history to really understand where we are now and put in perspective just how radical the changes we are living with today really are. I'm going to read two quotes and I want you to guess the subject we are talking about. Yes, it's quiz time. Here's former NFL commissioner Paul Tagliabue. Quote, it is a matter of integrity. It is a matter of the character of our games, of the character of our fans, and a matter of values. Wow. Sounds pretty heavy, right? I wonder what he's talking about. Next quote. Here's former Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig. This is his fearful statement to federal court. Quote, players would not be viewed by fans as exceptionally skilled and talented competitors but as mere assets to be exploited for fast money. Yes, you are probably getting the subject matter by now. These dudes were clutching their pearls and so concerned about sports betting. But you know what changed their point of view? Fantasy sports. Fantasy sports comes along and made every game interesting to the fans. That Jaguars-Lions game on Thursday night Yeah, well, I've got Fred Taylor on my team and Roy Williams, so I'm going to watch. That's what started to happen. That's what fantasy sports did. Brought in more viewers, brought in more casual fans. Not only that, the NFL found that fantasy players watch two to three more hours of football each Sunday than fans merely attached to their favorite team. NFL sees this and are like, wow, that equates to money. Fantasy sports is great. Let's embrace it. By 2009, now we're introducing FanDuel. Shortly thereafter, DraftKings. We've got daily fantasy with payouts. That line is getting blurrier between fantasy and sports betting. There is the exchange of funds. There is some fear of impropriety, but the NFL jumps in with both feet. By 2018, we're starting to legalize. Not everywhere, but in a growing number of states. And guess what? the world didn't blow up. Players weren't under the thumb of a bunch of mob bosses. There wasn't some soprano style you know, scheme going on to point shave and change everything. Fans still enjoyed the game. And matter of fact, it opened it up again to a lot of casual sports fans. Everybody started to make money because of the increased interest in their games. Get this, data points. In just three years, since the Supreme Court ruling in Murphy versus NCAA, that was what propelled legalized sports gambling, legalized sports betting has quadrupled in the U.S. just in the last three years. And Americans have wagered more than $65 billion on sports. Whew, there's arguments to be made there that that's not necessarily a good thing either, but that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about bringing people in and raising the interest in our industry. The only entity who may not like this fact and may really not be thrilled with the idea of legalized sports betting, state of Nevada, right? Think about it. They went from having a monopoly. Everybody had to go there to bet on sports to having to split the pie up with other states. Matter of fact, Nevada went from bringing in 100% of the money wagered in the U.S. on sports to now being second to New Jersey. New Jersey has the highest percentage wagered out of any state in the U.S. That's a fact. And that was interesting to me. because. I didn't know that until I started reading. So how does all this happen? It's not just at casinos or riverboats or racetracks. We're in the digital age, baby. And today's guest, Johnny Aitken, CEO of PointsBet USA, is a leader of this charge. We are at the tip of a very large iceberg. And Johnny's here to tell us all about the journey and the upside. So wait for it. Here's Johnny. I've been so waiting to do that. Couldn't help myself. Hey, Johnny, what's happening? Thanks for joining me on the show today.
0: Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me.
1: This is really exciting. As we were talking beforehand, you are our first guest in the sports betting world, and this is a remarkably fast-growing industry or section of the industry, so I'm excited to have you on and talk about this. You have a pretty long history in bookmaking. Greyhounds in Australia, working with High Rollers and as head bookmaker with Tom Waterhouse, four years at William Hill. What led you to this career path? What made you feel like bookmaking was where you wanted to go?
0: It started from a very early age, um, much to the annoyance of my mother. Uh, <laughs> my dad was a, a large a bettor, and from where I'm from in sort of Melbourne, Australia, betting is life. It's part of the culture and part of the society. And uh, my dad used to take me along with him to the horse races every Saturday. You know, Back in the, um, the early 90s, the mid-90s, you'd have 20,000, 30,000 people going to the racetrack every Saturday. It was before a time where there was online betting of any sort of materiality in Australia. It was before sort of land-based casinos and so if you wanted to get some action on um you know it was the horse races especially on a saturday so my dad used to take me down and he'd have me do little jobs for him such as sort of run around the bedding ring and sort of write down all of the odds on each horse so he could have a feel of the market and get more of an understanding of where he wanted to place his bets on what horses. It felt to me at the time I, I was working with a very sophisticated person being my dad um, but now when I look back on it um, he, like most, was was really just betting for the fun and, and the the love of it. And, uh, from that early age, it was always in my blood. And and to some respects, it was the sort of industry that I sort of really wanted to be around, be it sports or racing.
1: I can totally see that. I, I remember personally, like I've never been a massive better, but it is fun. And I remember going in college to Delaware park, which is a, a horse track and thinking it was like the most exciting day of my college life. It was just so much fun to be in those moments. And it didn't matter about how much money you were putting on it, just that kind of energy and excitement that came from it. So I can totally see and understand the draw So, okay, clearly from the accent, Australia, you mentioned Melbourne, um, Melbourne, how does an Australian come to lead one of the top five sports books in the U S like, why did it make sense to have points bet, put that hold here?
0: Well, I was born to do this job. Like apart from horse racing, um, I had a huge passion in sports as a kid. I lived um, you know, around 200 yards from the biggest stadium um, in Australia, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which can hold up to 100,000 people. And it's where all the big sporting events are played. We had the 1956 Olympics. Um, We have the AFL Grand Final played there. We've had other big events. So I could almost hear the roars of the crowd from my bedroom and and love getting along to that venue. But A big thing in Australia happened in the early 90s, which was Michael Jordan. Again, not only was he huge across the US, but in Australia, he really led and his just notoriety and and stardom really led the start of a passion for US sports in Australia. And so when I was a seven-year-old kid, I I didn't quite like the... uh, the red the black and the white of the Chicago Bulls and I wanted to be a bit more of an underdog um supporter so I I became a New, a, a New York Knicks fan and
1: Oh, made, you poor guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. It wasn't a great decision at the time but uh, <laughs> I sort of I sort of told my dad for my 7th birthday I want a sort of Patrick Ewing 33 oh, jersey yeah. and so I really developed a love for NBA to start with and then through other um, leads or interests, um, started to develop a passion for sort of major league baseball, for yeah. NFL. Um, fast forward to now, I'm sort of married with a wife and two young daughters. My wife hails from Sweden, from the northern part of Sweden where ice hockey um, yeah. is life. And so I've developed a true passion for ice hockey and would, would be one of the biggest New York Islander fans you could ever meet. Again, you don't hear it through the accent, but but absolutely love ice hockey. So right. when I think about not only working in, in betting, but working around sort of US sports, which I love the most, and being yeah. on the forefront of the opening of the sort of industry here, I truly was born to do this job and, and sort of very blessed to lead a company like PointsBet, which is on the the forefront of technology and and sort of US sports betting excellence.
1: Yeah, there's so much I wanna talk about on this technology side, but one of the things that really struck me was, as I was researching, I read a survey from the American Gaming Association, predicting that 36% more Americans are expected to bet on NFL games this season compared to last. That's 45.2 million Americans expected to bet on the NFL this season. That is amazing. Like, that is crazy, remarkable growth. Industry, big picture-wise, is this sustainable? I mean, obviously, it's not going to grow at 30% every year, but does this have legs? Can this really run a long time in sports betting?
0: It does. And I think the thing that sort of educates us on that is is other markets, which are a lot more mature, such as Australia and, and sort of markets within Europe. You know, speaking on Australia, betting has been around since the start of time. It's been legalized um, on horse tracks. There are now sort of land-based casinos and now there's the pro- sort of proliferation of online sort of racing and sports betting. And even in a mature market like Australia, which at least from an online perspective is 15 to 20 years more advanced than where the U.S. is currently, you're still seeing growth sort of year on year, through the way um, the betting's being sort of integrated with media, the spend that operators are making within their brands. And the fact that this is, you know, in Australia and now in the US becoming a mass market product, a way for people to get that extra excitement, be it watching a game in a stadium or at home, or watching a game that they might not have a, a vested interest. You know, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a New York Islanders fan, but watching a game between sort of Calgary and uh, Edmonton, there's something on the line for the New York Islanders, I again, wouldn't be drawn to watch that game. But if I have yeah. a, a small piece of action down, I'm very likely to watch the game to consume all the ads. If I'm sort of watching it from home or I uh, use the F and B if I'm in the stadium. So that wider value um, is certainly important. And I, and, uh, I again do see that growth being very stark here in the U S and, and I see there's a, a true growth space, not only over the next five, 10 years, but ongoingly over the next 20 as well.
1: Yeah. You can almost see parallels to the fantasy sports boom in the early 2000s, where a lot of us were first getting into fantasy sports and saying, okay, now I have a reason to watch this game. And it helped the leagues too, because they got more people watching the event. So that's when the league started to embrace it. And you can almost see the same thing happening in the sports betting move, where hey, more people are going to be watching your events because they have a vested interest in them and they might put a little dabble over here, a little dabble over there. So it's it's kind of good for everybody, which makes it seem like it is pretty sustainable as well.
0: Yeah, well, the same sort of rising tide sort of lifts all boats, yeah. um, extremely applicable here. Like to some respect, you know, sports betting is a bigger driver in some respects for the leagues and teams than any other vertical. It, it, it makes people go to games. It makes people watch games. It, it builds that that overall fandom. Yeah. Um, and it's just been such a huge driver for what we've seen in Australia with our sort of local leagues, the AFL and the NRL in Europe, obviously EPL, La Liga. These are huge leagues and, and part of their sort of global dominance is the fact that people are betting on them from, from Asia, from Europe, from Australia. And they're betting on a host of games and they're watching a host of games. It's not just people in Australia watching sort of, Ma- sort of Manchester United and Chelsea. Yeah. They're betting on games with Bournemouth, with Brighton, Helve and And it's going to be the same... Um, here in the U.S., and you know the leagues and the teams know that. And I've been really um, impressed, and I find it um, a great sort of um, sort of read through to how they're now again embracing sports betting. Think of a league like the NFL that you know two or three years ago to say that they'd have official partners in the sports betting space, that they'd allow betting to be integrated within their broadcast. Yeah. Um, you'd probably assign me to a sort of mental asylum. Yet <laughs> we sit here now, and and you know the league. The NFL does have partners, and sort of one of those seven partners is PointsBet, and through our partnership with NBC, uh, we're now sort of integrating our brand, our odds, our content into Football Night in America. So um, the That's sort of huge. industry is moving fast here, and and again, there's there's huge sort of mutual benefit uh, from an operator, team, and broadcaster perspective.
1: So with a market growing this fast, it's something that always makes uh, that I'm always been curious about with so many new people interested in sports betting and having it legalized and kind of going state by state and opportunities keep growing. Does education become important part of become an important part of retention? Because somebody shows up, they bet once because they're interested, they're curious, they're not quite sure what they're doing. They lose, they never come back, right? Like, so is it important to almost like, train the experience a little bit to kind of share how this works where the, you know like education on that side a little bit as well to build return customers as well
0: 100 you know think of any sort of industry that you're new to and you go through to an app that isn't built to have sort of educational um you know sort of features um it can be quite sort of again overwhelming we've been really sort of cognizant of that when we first came to the us and our first state of operation was new Jersey. We partnered with the well known NFL player uh, Darrell LaRivas and built the Darrell. The- by Revis Betting Academy. And it oh, cool. was all about really digestible, entertaining pieces of, of information, how to bet, how to sign up, the different bet types. A big part of it was around sort of responsible gaming um, and knowing that there are protections within our technology that that sort of customers uh, can take and there's help that they can get if, if betting ever becomes a problem for them. But education is a huge battleground. I see it as an ongoing area where I don't believe anyone's doing it absolutely right, points bet included. Um, I see a lot of education or content that's produced for a very advanced, more sort of Vegas style better where we're talking in American odds. We're talking about sharp action versus public action, which to a g- sort of general user um, is very hard to understand. And then even on the general user perspective, the betting education that's being provided to them is a little bit too irreverent and doesn't help them on their journey of being a more informed and a more sort of educated better. So we see a sweet spot in between those two outcomes and through sort of organic means with our talent like Paige Spirinak, Jay Croucher, Teddy Greenstein, and then through our partner NBC, we're gonna be investing um, ongoingly into the sort of education part. We believe not only that help people, like I said, to be more informed, but it will help people then to select the operators that um, have the best technology that offer the most ways to bet. And and that's an area that we're we're gonna shine in here at PointsBet with our, our sort of offering here in the US.
1: So PointsBet is an Australian company with a global staff, What's your approach to working with such a distributed workforce? How do you, I mean, does that present massive challenges? How do you make sure that you stay kind of unified in, in company mission and goals?
0: Yeah. So um, Australian founded business, I would say the business was founded always at the right time to invade um, the States, you know, fr- from day one of the company being, I guess, ideated and and then formed. Uh, we always had a mission to be in the U.S. obviously that was predicated on a repealing of the PASPA Act, which uh, prevented at the time um, sports betting in a in a sort of really material way being sort of legalized outside the state of Nevada. But once that opportunity arose, you know we knew we had a business model um, that would be really impactful out of the gate here in the United States, and that's that's played out accordingly. Um, from a global staff perspective, you know again we saw this through our experience sort of working at other companies as a way to excel and get ahead. We've worked at companies where They have global operations, but those are very siloed operations and, you know, a product feature that's being developed in Europe, which has application in Australia and the US, well, it's only being developed with a sort of Europe focus and a sort of Europe deployment. The same product or a style of product might be developed at the same time or after that in Australia and the same time or after that in the US. And we, we really saw ways in a sort of business model where we can embrace sort of globalization, sort of run... The businesses one where we have a starting advantage um in that australians love us sports like i said my experience loving us sports isn't just contained to johnny aiken you know us sports is the fastest growing betting and sort of sports watching vertical in australia particularly nba um, and, and nfl so when i talk to the australian team about solving customer problems for us sports better they get it because those are very similar problems and customer problems to what we're trying to solve for Australia with the sports better that loves US sports. For our counterparts and a lot of which um, operate and run out of Europe, that's more of a challenge because in Europe, as you know, it's all about soccer, cricket and tennis. US sports make up a pimple um, of betting handle in Europe. So we have that starting advantage being the only sort of major player which has our sort of Australian um, roots and you know we've flexed our sort of muscle in that regard. I'd also say from a global perspective, it is certainly hard running global teams and global businesses, but we have the allure of sort of working in sports. There's yeah. no there's no better space to work in. And so if you have to devote an early morning, a late night to a call to work on um, an outcome, be it product, marketing, finance related, uh, we typically get that buy-in from our teams across the world. And most recently, to complement our our large groups in Australia and the U.S., we've recently added um, a team in a uh, Dublin, Ireland, which is another sports-obsessed um, part of the world, and and we sort of made made an acquisition of a company called Bannock Technology, which. Um, was a b2b company really focused on the in-place sports betting experience and the team that started and sort of run that business um, all sort of emanated out of the paddy power business which you'd now know as flutter which uh, controls the FanDuel group um, here in the u.s so you know we have large um, teams now based in australia based in the u.s based in ireland we also have support teams in asia as well so we really are global but the one thing above all else that brings us together is sports and and that love of sports that permeates through every employee of points bet means that people are you know prepared to uh, go that extra mile to take calls late night, early morning uh, to to keep ensuring that we move the gut business forward.
1: It's a global language, sports, right? That's I get it. <laughs> it. You, you transitioned well for me too. So technology on this side. I mean, technology is really at the heart of the sports betting race. Would you consider points bet more of a technology company or more of a sports company? I mean, clearly, your passion for sports is there, and your your company definitely embodies that as well. But, Sounds like a pretty heavy tech focus as well.
0: Yeah, I think I can certainly sit here and say we're sort of one of those companies that's a tech company. We're a big data company. We're a content company. We're a sports company. For me, above all else, we're a problem-solving business. We have to solve customer problems, understand our customer, and solve for their needs faster and better than than anyone else. That's the edge that PointsBet's going to have, and we do that through our people, through our technology, and then through our sort of marketing assets to build that awareness. So, you know, for me, it comes back to understanding the customer, you know, many competitors or operators in this space see it as a large opportunity, but they're backing in maybe from a land-based casino perspective, they're backing in from a media perspective. You know, the edge of PointsBet has is that we're a sports betting business that's been founded by sports bettors. And so we understand the psyche of a customer and what their current and future needs are. And it's, our job to solve for that. So that's really the way we like to run our business. And again, to do that properly, you need to have amazing people, your own amazing technology, and then above all else, you need then to project that um, awareness that you have all of these features and experience sets. And we do that through our various sort of megaphones here in the US and other um, global channels. So, um, you know, that's how I'd sort of describe our company.
1: So technology, we're talking about, you know, user experience. We're talking about what what somebody signing on to your platform expects. They want speed. They want reliability. They want to understand, have a logical workflow. How do you maintain an edge in the technology so that you can be ahead of the competition. Cause that seems like the arm race in your section of the industry is to stay ahead on technology and be faster and better and you know more accurate than anybody else.
0: Yeah, I think what we're firstly seeing over the medium to long term, like we've seen in Australia and Europe and in the, again in other industries is that the best product will win. Early days, it's about brand awareness and consideration and and the fact that we're starting, you know, almost a decade after FanDuel and DraftKings on our brand awareness journey here in the US. No doubt they're going to have a fast start out of the gates and they need to with the investment they've made um, sort of marketing their brands and building their sort of databases. But we sort of believe, again, as the US customer gets more educated, they, they realise sports betting isn't taboo um, and they know and they understand that there's more again, um, you know, out there um, that they can transact with and they know that to sign up a new betting account is seamless, their information secure, and they seek more. They seek, to your point, the fastest experience, the easiest experience, experience that's sort of personalized to them, um, a place where you can get great odds, great promotions. When you bet on an in-play game that's paired with a live stream of that broadcast so you can watch that in-app, you know, they're going to seek the best product and that's when we'll really come to shine. Um, And so that's our mandate. As you said, it starts with the foundation of owning your own technology. It's then flexing that uh, muscle with technology to build an app that's really fast and easy to use. We don't believe we've done a good enough job yet on the ease of use perspective um, and how we build that sort of personalized experience. We build a great sort of localized experience. So Mm -hmm. for instance, if you went into our app in Michigan, you'll be displayed the Detroit lions the detroit tigers the detroit red wings if you go to new york or new jersey i should say you'll be displayed the new york yankees the new york mets the new york Knicks. we do we do sort of distinguish already and run a real sort of localized approach in the states that we're live in but we need to go beyond that and not just build an app and experience that's built for the specific state better but an app that's built specifically for you the end uh, consumer and again we can deliver upon that promise because we own our own technology and we have great people in, inside the business that can solve um, those sort of tech and sort of business problems. So that's where we're heading. Uh, but again, early days here, um, the US consumer certainly needs to be educated around things that do make that betting experience, um, you know, sort of really high from an enjoyment and a sort of safety perspective. And again, that ta- takes time to ramp up.
1: You mentioned some of the other players in the market. I won't do it again. This is your show. I don't want to, I don't want to mention their other brands. This is points bet time. But um you mentioned some of those other players in the market. As some other, some new user comes out and starts thinking about, I wanna get involved in this. And they're trying to understand why they'd make a certain choice or another. How would you explain the differentiator for points bet versus anybody else? Like what do you establish as saying like, this is why we're different?
0: Well, I think again, it comes back to the team and the, the technology. And we are obsessed at the end of the day about providing the US customer. And then when we enter Canada, the same thing the ultimate best experience for them as the end end user. And again, we can deliver upon that promise, owning our own technology and having that customer first uh, mandate. And so when I look at, you know, the sea of sameness that sort of currently exists in sports betting.
1: Ooh, I like that. I'm going to steal that sea of sameness. I like that. Yeah, you
0: can. I haven't trademarked it yet, but, um, <laughs> Good. you know, Excellent. Um, it's about standing out and, and yeah. we have to stand out. If we just offer the same vanilla, App experience the same vanilla way people market the same way people try and boost awareness through different sign-up offers or promotions. We're simply not going to win, and so we have a mandate to be different and to flex our muscle. As I said, with our technology, and then have a mandate to be different in the way we market. We see a real void in the market. Like I said, there's a lot of channels that market to a very advanced player. There's a lot of channels, especially that market to a very sort of casual player. But the the sort of sort of in between is wide open, and you know that's really where our brand focus and sort of person, sort of personality flexes right in. Being a an app that can be used by the everyday player where they use in-play live streaming, they want betting stats to inform their betting decisions, they want great odds because they're sort of using the app in a highly sort of repeatable way. And then the sort of casual bettor that wants to come in and maybe they want to get you know, more of a sort of bang for their buck and they want to take the bet small, sort of win big sort of parlay propositions, trying to configure the app to suit all of those bettors we can do. But we do see a gap um, in the way sort of brands and marketing and, and again, either a heavy slant to the, the truly advanced player or a heavy slant to the very casual player. And we really see a position in between to own that space. And, and, again, if we can own it through great technology, great odds, points of difference with our feature set, knowing when to inject ourselves with certain promotions, even yesterday when Justin Tucker hit an NFL record field goal uh, to win that mm-hmm. game for Baltimore, we sort of immediately engineered um, a payout um, on everyone that had the Detroit lions money line, because again, we didn't want those customers to feel stung by what was really an act of God for him to make that thing. And so we again, refunded every bet that we took on the Detroit money line. Again, that's just a business that understands its customers that cares and sort of watches sports and then sort of acts in the moment.
1: Empathy. Like you're sitting with them almost. I love that. And Yeah. And I, it's so, it's so I'm I'm sitting here thinking and listening to you talk and the way you're speaking about being different in the way you do things and approaching things with a new lens and that see a sameness and et cetera. It's gotta be so motivating to work for you too. And to have that kind of a corporate vision and to know the leadership wants to go, like, just let's be different. Let's dive into that. One of those things that you've done that stood out to me was that you recently announced a partnership with Austin FC. Yep. Um, that's a really cool idea, but explain it to us. What's the value in partnering with a major league sports brand from your perspective?
0: Well, I think obviously when we look at Texas um, and you know, when, when potentially that market opens up for sports betting, it's, it's going to be the biggest state outside of California to go live with legalized sports betting from a population perspective. And I share this with uh, the team in Australia. You know, In Texas alone, there's four a million more people than the entirety of Australia. <laughs> no, so it crazy. just gives you a size of the opportunity within Texas in itself, and then obviously US um, in general. But, you know, we uh, were very considered and and sort of made our way to Texas many times and met with all of the professional teams across the four uh, major cities. The things that really drew us to Austin FC was firstly, it's one of one. It's again, the only professional team in one of the fastest growing cities in America, a city renowned for technology, a love of sports. Um, The group Sort of working at Austin FC very much mirror the group that works at PointsBet, team that's hungry, has that challenger sort of mentality, is really authentic about the way it's building its stadium, its fan experiences, how it's standing out. And, you know, sort of the rest is history, I guess. You know, we had that sort of shared value view. We saw Austin as a, a huge city of growth. Austin FC are one of one, and when we think about Austin FC, we don't think of them typically as a major league um, sports team. You know, we think of them um, really as a team that has a fan base and a growth opportunity that could be far far superior to some sort of NBA and uh, sort yeah. of sort of MLB teams that sort of currently um, existing state. So we, we were very happy to announce that deal and. We'll wait with bated breath to see um, the pathway forward uh, for sort of legalization of sports betting in Texas. But in the meantime, we are certainly going to get going on priming our brand in that market. We'll be naming um, a large sports bar inside the stadium there at Austin, the points bet sports bar. And really look forward to seeing that partnership develop over the coming years.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of cool activations in stadium and outside and would just be something that you can really grow with. Um, In addition to partnering with a team like Austin FC... You have also have Drew Brees acting as a global ambassador for the company, which is a really cool get as well. Why Drew? How did you isolate between all the potential market out there for influencer marketing in the sports world? What drew you to Drew Brees and, and what makes makes him a special
0: fit? I think we're conscious always that, again, we're at the start of our brand, our journey here in the US and and soon to be Canada. And so the right types of partnerships can help to fast forward that that brand journey, can help to build trust and credibility to our brand, build association to sports, and again, help us to stand out. So when we launched in New Jersey, um, we we engaged partnerships with Alan Iverson and Darrell Larivas, especially with Alan's perspective. Obviously, there's sort of US benefit, there's global benefit. As I said, NBA yeah. is the biggest sport in Australia, and Allen's a household name in Australia. Um, but we really focus first and foremost about sports stars that would resonate with that New Jersey population. And if you think about Alan being the king of Philadelphia, which bleeds into the south of Jersey, and then Darrell- Oh yeah,
1: I'm outside of Philly. So trust me, I hear a lot about AI every well, day. Well, there you go.
0: There you go. And yeah. then sort of Darrell on the same perspective from a North Jersey, New York Jets- yep perspective. And so
1: I prefer to remember his Patriots days, but that's fine. We can go with that. Go ahead. Go
0: Jets. (laughs) (laughs) But when you think through to now, you know, we're at the next inflection point of this company. We're going national. We've partnered with the NFL. We have a huge deal with NBC. They have the crown jewel asset being Sunday night football and football night in America. And where Drew's at with his career shaping from off the field and going into the broadcast booth as a leading commentator on um, NBC's sort of Notre Dame and now sort of uh, Sunday yeah. football broadcast. there was just an instant opportunity to connect um, Drew to points bet to NBC, to the NFL, and obviously the footprint as well of the states that we're currently live in and where we're going in over the next sort of one to two months, it's, it's uh, NFL heartland. You know, Drew played his college days in Indiana, um, you know, spent time obviously in California, but the majority of his time in Louisiana, which is a market we feel will be upcoming for us over the next six months for launch. Um, and he just has general appeal and love, um, across the U S there's not many sports stars that, that have that love across the U S, you know, not yeah. to, uh, not to shame the great Tom Brady, but if we were to partner with Tom Brady in a state like Colorado, funnily enough, that might actually work, um, against us. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. um, Drew is sort of that every person, man, he's, he's a challenger like us, he's scrappy and, and he's now having that sort of polish with his off the field career with his time at NBC. So, um, we're apt to be. To be working with drew he's heading up a uh, a campaign that we're starting called live your bet life uh we've sort of recently filmed like a large that. a large ad campaign in uh, san diego and we'll see uh the finished sort of result of those campaigns come out over the next month but uh, look out for that they're going to be some um Get amazing ads. I,
1: I love to hear the strategy behind the influence of marketing and those partnerships where it's not just like, hey, Drew's a good guy. Let's get him. Like, it, there's, a, there's a real thoughts process that goes into it. There's a there's a mapping that goes from where his influence is and how he might generate across interest across the board. I think that's really interesting to see that strategy. I'm at the point now where I really don't like talking about coronavirus in 2020. I kind of like to pretend it didn't happen and that yep. I've been in a bubble for the last year and it just kind of disappeared. Yep. But let's be honest you're running this business and all of a sudden sports doesn't happen anymore. How did you guys handle the pandemic? Like, how did you kind of get your way through that to get back to the point that you are now?
0: Yeah, firstly, the same. I'm I'm trying to live in, uh, you know, sort of back go back to normal world and thinking, but it certainly yeah. happened. And, and that day where Rudy Gobert um, sort of shut down the NBA and, oh, and then yes. in turn shut down world sports um, is sort of etched in my memory. And, you know, the yeah. initial thoughts were this is an absolute nightmare and what does this mean? For sports and for the world in general um and, and you know firstly you know our thoughts are with our duty of care to our staff to make sure they were safe and protected from a way we approached it from a sports betting perspective we needed to understand you know once the immediate dust settles to what sports would continue and how would we approach the opportunity to provide greater i guess awareness um of, of some of these smaller scale sports you know The two sports that really continued throughout uh, coronavirus and have really held a high amount of appeal, funnily enough, and you wouldn't know this, but table tennis out of Eastern Europe became the number one sport. (laughs) Absolutely huge. Everyday people betting on table tennis, loving it, starting threads on it, getting their favorite players. The thing about it as well is that we could pair it with a live stream so not only are you betting on these table tennis games but you can then sort of watch it in the app and so it at least gave people something to maintain a share of all that maintain an interest through some dark times and um obviously the pga was the first major sport here in the us which 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 commenced after march of 2020 and that's been a huge sort of sort of watershed moment for golf not only for its sort of participation but the way it's viewed as a betting medium, um, it's a true opportunity for golf to really sort of capitalize on. So we were able to to sustain a sort of, I guess, sort of relative fair amount of activity. The thing the thing we decided to do though, more importantly is rather than hold back and, and see how things panned out with COVID, we uh, saw it as an opportunity to triple down on our technology, get our app even better, faster, mm. easier, build more points of difference, build our team, continue to build our team. We saw a lot of, industries and companies to the side of his shed employees we are sort of the time to sort of further our sort of recruitment growth so we've really gone to strength to strength through our coronavirus and and whilst it remains an item we all need to be vigilant of not only in the u.s but in europe in australia um i i do believe in the u.s at least we are on this sort of back end of it and and it's great to see fans and stands this nfl season and college football season it feels a lot more real than it did last season
1: it is i've been just like it's remarkable how things like that, that's used to seem so normal, just seeing fans in the stands and people cheering and getting excited about sports. Like it feels special now, you know, yes. it's kind of like, you know, after nine 11 here in the States, after that happened, you'd heard the national anthem and it sounded different. You know what I mean? Like yes. there's certain experiences that like just fundamentally change things. And I think the last year fundamentally changed all our appreciation for, for sports and what that sense of community and event mattered and what it felt like. And it's just, it is, it's so nice and something we can all cherish getting back to that a little bit. Um, on a personal note, as you look back and I always like to ask this of people, because I think we can all be introspective as we kind of look back on our career a little bit, looking back at your career on this point, are there any things you would have done differently? Or are you kind of happy with the way things have unfolded for you to this point?
0: Listen, it's a, it's a huge amount of effort. You know, I'm the story that you start at the bottom and you work your way up and there are no, Quick wins or quick leaps, uh, you know. When you do that, you know. My first job in betting, as I said, was really one that uh, my uh, dad made me do for no money. Was to sort of run around the ring and write write odds for him. I started a sort of racing betting newsletter when I was twelve, that was read by one person, my my dad. um, (laughs) Through to sort of working when I was in my twenties with some professional betting syndicates, then having the great opportunity uh, to work for Tom by Waterhouse, the biggest bookmaker in Australia at the time, and I've just had to keep taking every opportunity and keep growing, but it's given me this great perspective, Brian, where I have a true understanding and appreciation for every department of the business. And it really allows me as a leader to um, bring everything together to hire great people in each area and to make sure the business is entirely connected. Not only as I shared before, again, across the globe, but again, within the US and how every department has to work together and row in the same direction for success. So uh, my advice to people is to just just keep sort of jumping at opportunity. Um, Obviously, you want to be Deliberate and considered when you make decisions, but you know if you're leaning sort of yes or no, I always lean to yes, and you know it's allowed me to end up sort of where I am, sort of running one of the biggest betting companies here in the U.S. Points, but
1: yeah, it's a massive tribute to your success. I've said this a thousand times in the show, and I'll say it again. But one of my core philosophies is that you hire really smart people, you trust them, and you let them achieve their full potential. And clearly, you've emphasized this your staff a lot. Like you've said in this interview a lot, how important the staff is. So, how do you get there? How, what do you look for in new hires that ref, not only reflect the company priorities, but just like you see that growth potential in them? How do you how do you identify that and select people to be a part of the points PointsBet team?
0: Yeah, I think again, I couldn't agree more with your sentiment there. Um, really, a, a core pillar of this business is people. Every business at its heart should have people as a core pillar. Um, and I've worked in businesses where they just haven't prioritized that enough. They haven't been thorough enough with who they bring into the business who they have in the certain roles. And when you don't have the right people in the right roles, your sort of culture is eroded. So, you know, we've really been conscious of bringing the right type of experience from Australia around gaming, but complementing that with US specific excellence. You know, I I don't know the first thing to the needed level about US sports media. So I went and hired Eric Foote from CBS. Um, who'd worked there for again over a decade to be our chief commercial officer, and was the key architect of our deal with NBC. Same on the marketing front. Same on the tech front. We hired Damanjit Singh, um, who was the ex CTO of Aristocrat, one of the biggest uh, sort of B2B gaming businesses in the world, to run our technology and product division around the globe. So, you know, bringing again, as you said, great smart people, smarter people mm-hmm. than me, to own their fields yep. of excellence, giving them the autonomy. Um, to deliver upon their vision and own the outcomes of their vision, um, it's had great success. Um, for us, you know, the traits that we really look for at at PointsBet is tenacity. You know, that grit, that hard work, the sheer desire to win. You know, to commit to being part of something excellent, part of something that's growing, part of something where each person has a part to play. Um, the next trait that we look for is. Again, authenticity, Um, we're humble people, we're always learning, we're on a continuous learning journey about the customer, about the US, states of the US, how we monetize and amplify our sort sort of NBC partnership, our team partnerships. And that comes through always being authentic and humble and continuing to learn. And then the last trait we really look for is people that strive for opportunity. As I said, people that are proactive, that want to get better and better and better more proactive and take opportunities that aren't sort of dictated to them, that's really the points bet story today and it'll be continued moving forward. So tenacity, authenticity and opportunity really are the core heartbeats of this our business and every person that works here.
1: I love it. I'm writing it down. I'm going to steal that too. I'll be saying it in a team (laughs) meeting later on this week, I'm sure. (laughs) No, I love that. I just, I love the spirit of what you're saying and, and the, I mean, it's got to be, like I said before, extremely motivating for your staff to know exactly where you stand, where you're transparent, where you want to grow, where you want to get after it. And that's got to be extremely motivating for the people that are around you. Johnny, I cannot thank you enough. I've learned a lot more in this conversation about the betting world. I live just over the border of New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So I might be able to get in on some points of action. And uh, thank you a so lot for coming on and, and telling us more about your world and how you're gonna grow into the future.
0: Thanks, Brian. And uh, again, also thanks for your patience. Uh, we're sort of hoping to go live in the first half of the calendar year next year in uh, Pennsylvania. So I look forward to bringing yes. our app and experience to that great state.
1: Awesome. Sounds good to me. It's all about me. I, I just <laughs> care about what I want. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, Johnny. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you, Brian. Thanks so much.
1: thank you to Johnny for coming on the show. As you probably figured out from listening is that I'm not actually a huge sports gambler. I did it some in college. I didn't do well at it. I've lost every March Madness pool there is. I don't always understand all the terminology. I know the basics, but I'm not an expert at all. So I approach this very much as somebody new to this industry that would say, okay, how do you educate? How do you teach? How do you grow inclusion in this potential avenue of entertainment? And I really appreciate Johnny digging into this and also sharing just where the growth areas are and how much this part of the industry. Think about all the jobs that came from fantasy sports that weren't there before. Sports betting can do that too. Again, think about fantasy sports. You've got radio hosts, you've got TV personalities, you've got authors, blogs, content everywhere. You've got expertise, you've got influencers, you've got social media campaigns, you've got all kinds of Shoulder programming around fantasy sports that resulted in a lot of jobs for a lot of people, data analytics, all kinds of things. Now, flip that forward. That's where the growth opportunity is for this industry. Sports gambling, sports betting is going to continue to grow and be an opportunity for all of you. So, pay attention to this, learn what you can, and really pay attention to the guys over at Points Bet USA because I think that they are some of the smartest people in the industry and it's been great getting to talk to them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this show. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're sharing a lot of great content there. That channel is something we're putting a lot of focus into. So please pay attention to that and keep tuning in. We love having you here.